Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert and grandfather himself, <laughs> Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Gramps. Lee, how are you today? Um, I'm feeling rather grampy. I'm doing very well. How you're two weeks in to the whole grandpa experience. How's it going so far? Well, the actual experience has been fantastic. Spent a lot of time with my granddaughter and my daughter, and that's been fantastic. The idea of somebody calling me grandpa, I suppose. Uh, I've, I've always thought myself to be about I don't know, 30 years old? Well, the beard matches the role, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess it's time I grow up and accept. I've got some, I've got some, uh, I've put in my time. I might as well receive my reward. There you go. But in the meantime, we're getting close to the holidays and Proust Pets is going Christmas. Such a great time of year. I imagine that the store is just filled with people looking for great items for the holidays. Yeah, um, you know, we have as much or more front counter staff as we had in the past, and yet it seems the lines are quite long at these points when it gets really busy. But for the most part, we try to keep them under control. And as far as cu- helping customers, uh, so far we've been able to keep an adequate staff level to kind of get everybody taken care of. And I mean, that's what it's all about is just, you know, if somebody's going to want to have a fun pet experience, that we let them have a fun pet experience, whether it's coming into our store and just looking around or having something that goes home with them. What about merchandise? Have you had any of the issues that some of the other people are experiencing in terms of not being able to get inventory into the store? Have you been pretty good? Well, I would say that it's it's had its obstacles for sure. Uh, we did do some uh, kind of when opportunities unfolded themselves, we bought a little heavier on, let's say, glass tanks, okay, um, cages, those type of things, so that you know you have an animal that goes home, or you want to take an animal home, or you need uh, something for the animal you got at home, right? And certainly need something to live in. So, I mean, the food supplies have been reasonably good. We, you know, back I can remember uh, during the onset of COVID, uh, food supplies were an issue for animals, uh, but those seem to be for the most part straightening out that hasn't really been a problem and you know when you carry a couple three different brands if one runs out and you don't have anything of that brand uh for whatever reason and sometimes it's just you know kind of uh, you don't know why right but you can't get a particular seed mix or uh, flake food or whatnot we have plenty of other options that are all worthy Well, that's good. It's an important time of year because Lord knows there's a lot of people out there searching for that perfect gift. And uh, sometimes some of these items just make for great ones. But in the meantime, Rick, we're going to talk this weekend about, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if I would call it a major change, but a pretty significant change for Fenner Nature Center, which is stepping up into... uh, what they offer and what they do and have made a significant move in order to increase
increase the programs that they've got available. And uh, we're going to talk with Sam Asinaldi about it and see what he's got to say. What's your take on the whole thing so far? Well, you and I have been here for quite a while, and we've been able to um, learn, discover, and explore what Fenner does and the populace that it supports. And um, when when Sam came into the store, he was a customer of mine. He's been a customer for a lot of years and um, also was a staff member for uh, a few years. And um, when he told me of this, and I, I'm not going to spoil it, I'm going to let him bring forth the more detailed understanding of what they're undertaking, um, I thought that was definitely something that we needed to get them on the show because it's going to definitely be a step in an amazing direction that most nature centers would never think to take. Um, I'll leave it at that. You guys need to tune in when he gets here, which should be shortly here after the break. But, uh, man, what a great person. That's the other thing I'd like to do is just spend a little time talking to Sam about where he's been and let the public know such a, a fantastic individual. He really is you know, there's customers or there's people that you meet and you just feel great about talking with them and you feel great about who they are and what they're all about. And Sam is one of those guys that I'm just uh, glad that he can be sitting here next to us. Well, I've never met him. This will be my first time. But I will say the place he represents, Fenner Nature Center, is absolutely a dream come true because I spend a, a fair amount of time uh, driving through there when I need a mental break because it's so convenient yeah. being located right in Lansing proper, right. Right. not far from anything where you are. Right. So if you need to check your phone and just pull in for a second and look at it, it's just it, it's a beautiful beautiful place and it's a dream for Lansing and I'm glad to see it continue to improve and that's what we've got in store this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us in the studio a first-time guest. It's Sam Insaldi, and he is a program manager for the Fenner Nature Center. Sam, we welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Now, I will tell you, I know you probably keep busy as program manager at Fenner, but after Rick told me that you used to work for Pruce Pets, my goodness, you must really know what it's like to have to hustle and keep after the animals. Absolutely. There's always a lot of good hustle and bustle. And Fenner's a wonderful spot. We have a lot of good visitorship that comes through there, wonderful community support. So we always stay busy. Gotcha. (laughs) And in terms of the events that are going on, just like at Proust, where nothing ever stays the same, uh, I'm sure for you guys, uh, same thing is true because I've been hearing some news reports about some major changes and significant things that you guys have gotten involved with. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Absolutely, sure. So, I mean, Fender Nature Center always stays busy. I mean, we're 134 acres. We we do active conservation, education, and stewardship throughout the year. Um, and with this, uh, the the new acquiring that we have, the new project that we have going on is uh, very recently we have just come over and acquired the old Sycamore Creek Driving Range property and uh, that used to be run by First Tee of Mid-Michigan. And that property right there, that was something that went up for um, 
through a proposal process from the city of Lansing, the so city of Lansing property, and they were looking for someone new to come in there. We put in a proposal for it, um, and we were awarded the property to open up the new Fenner Nature Preschool that we're looking to do. Go ahead. Now, where exactly is that located? Pretty close to where Fender Nature Center is. So we are just on the other side of the river trail uh, west of Aurelius, right on Mount Hope, the Sycamore Creek property. Okay. Um, and Fenner itself is right at that juncture of Mount Hope and Aurelius right there. So, so this is a, a beautiful property. If you've never been there before, it's gorgeous. It sits right on the riverfront. It's right on the other side of the, uh, of the trail going down through there. Uh, takes in and butts right up to Scott's Woods right on that side. Uh, it's 53-acre property, absolutely gorgeous. Has a, a relatively brand-new building on there. It's been there since uh, I think it was 96 that building went up. And, I mean, just from the look of the building itself, it is situated in a way that just – just screams education. Just looks at it, and you can. It just has. It has classroom written all over it. So, we're looking to over this next year. We're in the the, the current renovation process right now, and we are putting in a, a nature based preschool for for young children. You know that three to five year old range. Um, nothing gigantic. A few classes that are in there. Really kind of focusing on on the principles of nature-based learning and outdoor education, and also mixing in a little bit of Reggio Emilia education with that as well, which really focuses on uh, student-led learning, student-centered learning, um, and utilizing the environment they have really as a teaching agent. So when, when do you anticipate, you know, the first student? That would that would uh, grace that property. Well, we're really hoping. I mean, we're hoping for a 2022 opening, and I'm not sure if that's going to be in late spring, if that's going to be in fall. It, everything. I mean, we're we're shooting for for later on this year. You never really know how the the year goes with any construction delays that we right. have or anything that goes on with COVID at this time. So usually it takes about a week and a half for my mother's mail to get down from Vermont. So I, God <laughs> only knows what's going to happen with with paint and flooring. So. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know I've driven by there. I, I took a look at the property when, uh, and we even saw the property when we took a little white uh, walk on uh, Thanksgiving Day. Uh, took the trails through. Yep. What's the name? Scotts. Scotts Woods. Scotts yeah. Woods. Yep. Yeah. We entered there, and we ended up coming. You know, all the way around. We were by the. The cemetery that's there, that's been there forever, yep, Mount, Hope Mount Hope Cemetery. Yep, absolutely. And it seems like just to the west of the cemetery, over kind of like, you know, from the road, it sits back a little ways. But it's a pretty picturesque view from oh. outside the door. I mean, actually, you can't even see. I think I don't think you can see with the woodlots there, the cemetery. But it's just a, it's it's up on a hill almost, and then it and it views over even the river, doesn't it? It does. It, the The view is absolutely astounding. I mean, if you're taking the river trail, if you're crossing right over Mount Hope and you're taking the river trail um, going south, heading towards Scott Woods, you can. And I've taken that trail multiple times. I didn't even really know I was on the side of that property because you look and you're skirting right along the river. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful floodplain right down in that area. Yeah. And again, it's large. It's it's 53 acres, and the. Uh, the building itself does sits up right up on top of almost like a little hill, a little berm that's up there, and then it goes right down into that valley. And you have you have beautiful old sycamore trees. You have um, just a, a gorgeous little riverfront property that goes right down to it. So it'll be a, a wonderful, wonderful location for the kids, I think. So how well has nature played a hand in taking back a golf course, and how much work or effort <laughs> do you have to? How much effort will you need to True. do to kind of like you know try to maybe. I guess, make it feel as if it should, as Absolutely. if there was never a, uh, I would assume your goal would be to make it 
feel as if there was never a golf course there. That's very true. Yes, it's we're we're looking at the property and, and looking at the types of uh, environmental remediation that needs to be done on the property. One of the good things was honestly just starting to let it grow. Just starting to I, that's what again. I was wondering. That's yeah. really even that's that's how, always how a first nature, step. <laughs> they always you always see those uh, you always see those uh, scenarios uh, on Facebook or whatever where uh, they stop building something or a city is no yep. longer inhabited. I mean, um, uh, you know, the funding gets pulled out or the whole condominium place uh, never finishes. Yep. And then you watch how nature takes over. And I, how many years has this not been a golf course? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I mean, it's. So it was a golf course, and then it was taken over by MidMichigan First Tee. So it was still actually treated like a golf course. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, I mean, that right there, I mean, MidMichigan First Tee was in there right up until this past year. Okay. So we just took over the property really just a few months okay. ago. Um, we acquired it. What, what did First Tee do? I mean, it sounds like a— First Tee, and honestly, I, I, I'd i have to pop over to their website. My my very elementary understanding of First Tee MidMichigan was basically education and leadership utilizing golf as a catalyst for that. Interesting. So using using sports as a way to teach um, uh, good good amounts of, of just life learning and growth. So. And, and now you know nature is trumping golf. <laughs> well, and golf, I think it was a, I think it's a wonderful initiative. Uh, the Mid Michigan does um, sound like it. It's, it does it's, sound oh like yeah, it. anytime anytime that you have any sort of initiative that really focuses on. Um, on childhood development, on youth leadership, on positive growth. Sure. It really, whatever sure. you're utilizing for a catalyst, if we're using golf, if, we're, if, we're, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm using nature and, uh, and right. you know, right. exploring mushrooms and everything yeah. else out there, whatever it is, it's always very, very beneficial. So you personally, um, how do you feel about this whole project and connected to it? Uh, is there, you know, uh, I know you have your own ch- child. I do, I do. And she's around that age as well. She's, uh, she's going to be five pretty soon. Yeah. So she's, yeah. she's right up around. There. So you must feel kind of emotional about it in some way. I do. It's it's a it's a wonderful initiative, and this was something you know I've I've been teaching in environmental education for um, for going on about 16, 17 years now, yeah. and I've I've gone through a lot of different um, iterations of that, teaching through nature centers and teaching through zoological associations, teaching through universities. Um, one one thing that's always stayed constant was being to able to to teach the the ethics of environmental education. And, and just how, how important nature and the environment plays in, in the growth process to, to kids for years and years and years. Um, and this is really no exception to that. I think this is a, a great opportunity because we, we have a chance to, to look at education from a different perspective. And I think that, um, I think that for education to thrive and for, for child development to thrive, there always needs to be some different innovations that come along. There needs to be growth that comes along with it. Yeah. Just like there's growth in a child's life, there needs to be growth in the development and the understanding of education. And that's what we're really trying to do here is, is taking some of those kind of tried and true principles of, of a Reggio Emilia learning, and which really focuses a lot on, on letting children explore the different avenues that really interest them at those ages. How long has this form of education manifested itself? Reggio Mila, I have to look back. It's been going on uh, since, I want to say, the, the early to mid-1900s. It's, it's been along oh. for a good long time. Okay. Um, and I could be off on that if, if, if people from Reggio Emilia are listening. I apologize. Yeah, well, that's, that's fine. That's not really why I asked. What I really wanted to ask is, is there evidence out there that through Tried this process of um, you know, child leadership, you know, learning uh, has paid off? There is. There is. Really, the, the more research that's being done with it, if you're looking back at standardized education the way that we have it throughout this country, it was really 
it was made for a way for people to be able to learn trades faster through through a time of um, industrialization. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really kind of what school was meant to be. You would go in, you would you would learn what you needed to learn to be able to leave there, go to the factory, and be able to produce what needs to be produced. Right. And I think a lot of those methodologies of education, while there are changing a little bit, those those core concepts are still kind of there. And while they were very, very valid for the time, I think that just like anything else, as the times change, the forms of education need to change as well. Mm-hmm. So if we're going back to some of the the, the early 1900s uh, ways of learning, you're looking at uh, Reggio Emilia education, you're looking at Montessori education, both of them uh, established over in Italy. And they were ways, they, they took a, a, a different kind of approach to education where instead of having your the, the teacher at the front of the class who was the source of all knowledge and they were going to put out exactly what those children were supposed to learn on a daily basis, this had a more exploratory type of view to it. It allowed the children to, to pursue their own avenues of education while presenting them different types of topics and different types of uh, learning initiatives so that they can follow those different paths and then create essentially self-motivated learners, kids mm-hmm. that want to learn. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're at that age, you want to learn. You want to soak up anything yeah. that's around you. It's just yeah. inevitable. Um, but then, you know, as as we get older and stuff like that, there's those times where we get stagnated by that. We, we, we stop sometimes wanting to learn because we know it's something we have to do and it's not something we want to do. Well, sure. it's, it's funny you say that because the way I kind of look at it, when I was learning, I was learning on screens. Now, they were film strips. They were movies. Yeah. There were things like that. Now we may be learning on monitors and computer screens. But at the same time, there's something to be said for walking around in nature, physically touching things in nature, physically seeing things that you've never seen before in nature. I just think that that is such a dramatic change for some people because a lot of parents don't have time or don't take the time yeah, yeah, to take yeah. their kids out or, or just don't have that accessibility yeah to do that you know lives are difficult for every person uh, in many cases uh, you know to try to be a responsible parent you know maybe the last thing you can do in the midst of maybe being a, a single parent maybe uh, having to make sure everything gets accomplished, making sure the homework is done. Right. Different do you, age kids. Do you really have time to take them someplace right. to explore nature when all you have in your backyard is a small backyard? And, you know, how do you do that? When I grew up, I was privileged in that I was able to, mom would just say, go explore. <laughs> and there were creeks and yep. cow fields and all kinds of fun stuff. And we were independent. We were able to do anything we wanted. We'd get our bike and we'd go to the next town and whatnot. And maybe I didn't have that type of education at school, but at least it was it was fostered by, you know, just the very thing that you're talking about is a, 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 enabling a child to kind of experience nature. Yeah. Curiosity. And, yeah. yeah. And that's really one of those things, too. I mean, if you if you look at the dynamics of a, of a, a family now versus a family in the early 1900s, it's it's very much changed. I mean, yeah. You generally have both parents that are working. You most of the time you have uh, you have houses that are relatively closely located to the jobs that you're doing. So you're in relatively um, urban or suburban environments and stuff like that. And and sometimes, I mean, 
it, like you said, sometimes people get busy, and sometimes that that uh, that outdoor learning isn't really something that is yeah. that exploratory learning isn't yeah. something that is really available. And I was I was kind of like you. I grew up in the same type of situation where um, I started out life in a suburban environment, and I you know I had our neighborhood, and that was cool, and that was yeah. great. It was you know the early '80s, and we could still ride our bikes around, do whatever we want, find the little creek and stuff, which was fine. But then we we moved way up to uh, to northern Vermont, and uh, and I just had acres. And that was really what this all started with. So it was yeah, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Down to the creek, over the mountain, and around yeah. the bend. Yeah, <laughs> On the way to Grandma's house yeah. we go. <laughs> We're talking this morning with Sam uh, and Sally, who is the program manager with Fenner Nature Center. And Sam, we need to take our first break. But when we come back, let's talk about how you guys – came up with this idea and what made it happen uh, for happening and what other programs you might have going uh, in the future as we watch the growth and the expansion of Fenner Nature Center and what it can offer the people of Lansing. And we'll have that conversation right after the break on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. If you're out of the listening area, you can hear the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show live online. Go to 1320WILS.com and click on the Listen Live link. You're listening to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Pruse and Lee Cohen on 1320WILS. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we're talking this morning with Sam Insaldi, who is the program manager at Fenner Nature Center. And Sam, before the break, we were talking a little bit about this new project. And I guess my question, and forgive me, I can't help but think about it. It had to be a relatively costly idea. And frankly, there had to be a, a motivation or a stimulus for this whole thing to happen. Can you describe what drove the process and how did you end up coming up with the funds in order to be able to do this whole thing? Absolutely. So this was an innovation that actually was put together before I started over at Fender Nature Center. This was something that was started um, by our executive director, Liz Roxbury. And she went through uh, and wanted to have this, this initiative for some of the youth that we have here in Lansing. We want to be able to provide them with an additional resource that they could have for outdoor learning and education. So Liz had gone through uh, the, the grant processes, looked for the best way to try to utilize this, and it was actually the uh, the DART Foundation that stepped up and said, this falls in right with our values, our initiatives that we're looking to do. And it was uh, um, a grant that we received from them uh, in 2019 that allowed us to, to pursue this initiative. Yeah, and the initiative, for those who just listened in, uh, Lansing is going to be graced uh, due to the efforts of Fenner Nature Center with a new preschool building and overall I assume it'll have other purposes maybe after hours maybe I mean will the only thing for this new building well and then there's the property surrounding it so there's I mean for those that are listening here that are you know just going to frequent this uh, your nature center what are they going to be seeing from this new building acquisition and property? Well, initially, the thing that we're trying to really get <clears throat> a hold on first and foremost is going to be the nature preschool itself. So okay. it's the renovation of utilizing that that DART Foundation grant um, to, to renovate that building, to really turn it into a, a really – 
experiential learning space for these kids. That's first and foremost with us. But you're right. It's a 53-acre property. It's a lot of space. It's a lot of land. Um, and just like with Fenner, we try to utilize every single thing that we do. So with, with Fenner Nature Center, I mean, the property that we have is 134 acres. Sycamore Creek is an additional 53 acres. Yeah. My job over there is primarily the uh, educational programming that yep. happens over at Fenner. So all of the different program initiatives that that I have started putting out this year that they have done years past that were limited just to that one property, we're really kind of hoping that we can expand upon and do a little bit more and, and add some more dynamic types of programming to stuff over there. Is a preschool program, is that going to be like a eight to five or what What would that normally be? Is that, have we gotten that far along? No, have not gotten that far along. I mean, it'll be a full day program. I'm imagining, day program. I'm imagining yeah. a full day program. Yeah. Um, there yeah. may also be, you know, those, it, it may break down to half day or full day programs. The logistics of that, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you at this you're point You're still right trying now. to figure out, but, but I'm pretty impressed that you're actually thinking about, because when you told me this, I was thinking, okay, as business goes, as building goes, as codes go, as, as yep. in, in construction happens, I'm thinking, okay, in about two or three years, we'll see something. But you're suggesting that it's possible that yeah. within a year, yep. we're going to be looking at a preschool that uh, kids in the Lansing area will, yep. and do you happen to, at this have we got to the point where we know who will be invited to participate? Oh, so it be an, it'll most likely be an open registration process that we have. We'll okay. have limited spots available and stuff like that, but it'll most likely be an open registration process. The okay. logistics of that, I'm not 100% sure. Things <clears> you <throat> have to work out. Yeah, right now, I mean, right now the biggest things that we're doing is taking and doing the renovation inside. Because the good thing is is that the, the, the bones of that building, the structure of that building is absolutely perfect for what we're looking to do. Yeah. Um, so right now it's, you know, it's it's floor, paint, all of the, uh, all of the things that go inside a, a good classroom, a nice, good learning environment. Um, and then going through the licensing process, all of that type of stuff is what's going on right now. So um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Fantastic. there will not be any hiccups with it. Hopefully there won't be any construction delays with anything and we'll be able to, to plow on through and hopefully have a good opening this year. So I want to just ask, uh, Fender Nature's been around for a while and it seems to have some different iterations. And mm -hmm. what I'm thinking about is if I went back 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five and now, it just seems like it's gone through a little bit of a roller coaster <laughs> and and it's been on the upslide, up going upwards and doing good things and better things and even more better things. I'm just curious, what's the current, I guess, brains of the operation? What if, if somebody if said I, I, it's a nature center, right? And I go there and I see nature and I can take paths and I can get into programs and yep. whatnot. But there has to be an administration above that. What What's the entity or how does this work? Is it a city run program? Is it a nonprofit? Is it what, what are, what's the, it is, it all is all of a, the above. All the, <laughs> <laughs> so Fenner Nature Center, it, it it's, uh, this property, I mean, we can go back mid-1900s. This property was sold by Scott Turner to the city of Lansing in 1952 with the idea that it always stayed as a publicly accessible land space. Mm -hmm. It went through a lot of iterations uh, throughout those times. I mean, for, for those who had been around Lansing for a long time, they remember it as the Fenner Arboretum at one point. Mm. There were bison over there. We had uh, Sam the Eagle over there at one point. I mean, it's gone through a lot of different types of iterations over sure. the years. Um, and then in... I believe it was uh, 2009 is when it, it actually became uh, the Friends of Fender Nature Center 
took over and it shifted from being directed by the city of Lansing to the official Friends of Fenner group, where that started uh, the the official nonprofit, which is now Fenner Conservancy, which is the the nonprofit managing board of. And that. it's a five hundred one. It's a five hundred one c three. Yep. And, and that means anybody listening, if they want to see this concept, whether it's the preschool, whether it's your Fenner, you know, help support whatever efforts you're doing, you know, this is a golden opportunity for somebody to kind of go out on the limb and say, you know what, I wouldn't mind donating whatever amount of money they might extra have. And that's, and you know, we always try to have a lot of good initiatives that, that we want to be able to fit the community here. We, Lansing is a phenomenal community. You know, I'm, I'm not from this region, but I was, I was happy enough to, to move here 10 years ago where I actually worked for, for Rick out here uh, <laughs> um, for a while. And then my wife and I had moved around <clears throat> and ultimately we came back here. It's, it's a wonderful community. It's a great space. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of like you were saying, you know, the Nature Center itself, obviously it does everything a Nature Center should do. But in addition to that, we want to we want to advance that with the needs of the community. So as it is right now, in, in 2019, we uh, we opened up the Susan and Jack Davis Nature Pavilion, which is an additional building on grounds which can be utilized for rentals for events, weddings, all sorts of different types of venues. Mm-hmm. Um, we just put in an on-site chapel so people can – it's a kind of a one-stop shop. So it's a oh. nice little outdoor chapel so yeah. people can get married and then walk right up for their reception. Um we have everything. We run a, a, a huge summer camp program throughout from uh, June through August through the summertime. Throughout the entire year, we do uh, public educational programs. And I, I'm a, I've been doing educational programs for a long time, and I love having a good natural space around me because I'm like a kid in a candy store. If, mm-hmm. there's, if there's a good program concept, man, it, it can just goes right off the rails. And I've been, I've been really blessed that we have a great group of naturalists that um, – that allow me to uh, to get really creative and say, oh man, we're going to do a program that just focuses all around all around mushrooms today, guys. Yeah, <laughs> and they and they love it. Yeah. They absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. So um, so we try to do as many initiatives as we can uh, throughout the year. We do our big maple festival in March. We do our big apple butter mm-hmm. festival in. Um, in uh, in October, October, yeah, yeah, and we have Earth Day events. We we try to keep uh, we try to put enough initiatives out there and enough diverse offerings out there so that people can look at it and appreciate yeah. it as a nature center and still have that 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 huge piece of of environment in in uh, in Lansing, but also that serves other needs for these folks as well. And that's what yeah. we, and that's that was the initiative with the preschool as well. Now, yeah. now yeah. Sam, you have me curious because you brought up the summer camps, yep. and a big part of me says that this school can very much incorporate what the summer camps have been teaching people, but year round as opposed to <laughs> a week or two weeks in the summer. Is that kind of for, the conception of how this this is going to run? Kind of. I mean, for that age group, yes. Yeah, so, I, mean, I was, was going to say, we're t- dealing with uh, three to five, right? Yeah. Three and, to five years old, basically before they get into first grade. Yes. Yeah. And the way that we kind of had always done our, our summer camp program, um, and actually, and COVID had changed a lot of this too. Up, I, so when I started at Fenner Nature Center it was March of 2020, and <laughs> we all know what that day phenomenal. is. Phenomenal, yeah. I started right at the beginning of March, and then I, uh, I think I had just sat in my chair, and I was in there for about two, three weeks, and then everything went haywire after that with yeah. the world. Um, 
But uh, but it was great because it allowed us to take and relook things that had been done for a good period of time mm-hmm. and, and evaluate mm-hmm. whether or not that this model was working, if it needed to be evolved. And summer camp was one of those things. For uh, for 40 plus years, we had actually run a summer camp out of the, the nature center itself and had uh, utilized the property as uh, as the, the grounds for that camp. And we did a, a half-day pre-K program. We did... Um, uh, a full-day program with kids all the way up to about sixth grade to eighth grade. And we needed to reimagine that because we couldn't have all those kids in one big spot all at the same time during, right. during COVID. So we had actually gone through and uh, through a, a, another grant process, we were able to utilize a different spot of the property, put individual base cabins up there, and reimagine the camp for, for those folks. And we really hope that with uh, with the preschool, this will be able to utilize that for them as well. Well, and real quick, uh, we're yeah. going to need to take a break. But when we come back, I'd like you to talk a little bit about how maybe the uh, online access is sure. going to change a little bit. And I imagine that was something that came about as a result of um, COVID. Yes. So, you know, it, put put people down and out and they figure out how to squirm out and make good things happen, right? That's the beautiful Put it under thing pressure. about people. Put it under pressure. Give them the situation, they'll figure it out. And we're talking this morning with Sam Ansaldi, who is the program manager at Fenner Nature Center. We'll be back right here on 1320 WILS. You're listening to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about the Fenner Nature Center, and our guest is Sam Ansaldi, who is the program manager. And Sam, before the break, we were talking a little bit about some of the changes that are happening with the new acquisition and being able to not have kids all the way from pre-K to the sixth grade in one building (laughs) at the same time, which I can imagine is a behavioral difficulty, to say it nicely. But talk a little bit about how you guys have been dealing with that and what changes you anticipate going forward. Well, the good thing is, is that, again, you know, if we're looking at anything good that happened from COVID is that it really has made a lot of us reimagine the things that we do and how we do them. Um, and that, that, you know, that really applies to, to what we do over at Fenner Nature Center with uh, the programming that we offer, um, with the new future initiatives that we're looking at and stuff like that. So with our, with our summer camp program, one thing that we had to do was reimagine that. We were able to bring that up to a section of the property that we always really wanted to do, but we couldn't really figure out how to do it. So, by doing that, we we were able to reimagine our summer camp program, and it was it was wonderful. We had a completely immersive summer camp program. We had uh, individual spots for groups of kids to be up there, and the preschool, the 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 one that we're doing over at Sycamore Creek, we had traditionally always run in addition to the full day programs over at Fenner. We always ran a half day program with the the preschool kids during our summer camp program. But this is a great initiative where, in addition to the full year long preschool that we do, if we're going to run our basically our half day summer camp program, this allows them to stay right on that other side of that property over at Sycamore Creek and utilize all the different resources that we have over there. I got a question uh, with the two properties: Is it possible without going over a road because Aurelius is right there in between you? Mm-hmm. Is it possible? walk through 
Is there any under under the uh, over? <laughs> no, under, yeah, no, no catacombs that I know of or anything like <laughs> so, that. Unfortunately, so that basically, other than taking the sidewalk and, yeah. and the crosswalks and, and and following thing, that's how you would connect the two. Essentially, yeah. As it is right now, I think uh, the the way that you'd have to go would basically be the uh, the sidewalk that that follows down Mount Hope. Mount Hope. Yeah, and then you'd have to cross over Aurelius and then come over to our property. That's that's with the existing infrastructure. That may change in the future. Yeah. <clears throat> But as it is right now, that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of the way. It is walkable between the two properties, though, which is which for is sure. Nice. Yeah. For sure. Let's talk a little bit about uh, more about COVID and putting in grant applications. Talk about your library and how you want to sure. bring that forward. So another grant that we uh, uh, that we were able to 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 get during this entire process um, was uh, was a grant from the PNC Grow Up Great. And that grant right there allowed us to start to put together essentially a lending library. And this plays into the preschool as well, which it, basically it's, it is a, an online compendium of – Wow, compendium. Yeah, that's a good, I, pretty I, good I, word. I guess I don't know that <laughs> word, but it sounds pretty cool. Well, you know, it's, it's one of those 25-cent words I yeah, get to well, use that's rarely. Why, so. That's why you paid all that money to go to school, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. That's what my master's degree is all about right there. <laughs> um, so essentially, yes, it's, it's an online resource where uh, we can where, – where teachers will be able to um, to rent out, to lend out teaching materials that can be used uh, for that around that preschool age. So just like uh-huh, we're uh-huh. utilizing the preschool as a resource for yeah. nature-based learning and Reggio Emilia learning, a lot of these lending library resources that we're starting to put together at this point kind of follow those same principles. So Kind of expand out further than just what you can do on the 50-some acre exactly, property, right? Exactly. So basically what we can do there, we want to be able to have uh, have those those resources available for for teachers throughout Lansing as well. So that's an initiative we're working on currently. Would would it be fair to say that uh, if we were to canvas all the nature centers in the United States, there's not too many of them that would have actually a, a legitimate preschool? Uh, that'd probably be fair to say. I'm imagining. I have. I mean, I could. There's. I'm sure there are some out there. Um, right. But I right. haven't. I haven't seen many of them. So yeah, I just uh, imagining in the room. You know, when the light comes on and the idea comes out in the group uh, conversation, it's like. What? <laughs> you know, so and that's, I think, uh, probably when it went from being a city controlled property to a, a nonprofit. Once you have these nonprofits and you have a group of individuals that are involved in doing that, you know, you can't do it without a mission. Right. True. You can't do it without a mission statement. You can't do it without everybody being on the same page. And then if the same page is let's, you know, let's see all possibilities. Now all of a sudden possibilities like this, you know, jump up and there's an organization that can support it. And that really is kind of what Fenner's mission is all about. It's, it's really um, connecting the, the people of Lansing to, uh, to nature through conservation education mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stewardship. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that really spans out pretty, pretty wide for us. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we strive uh, definitely our vision. You know, we strive to be a, a regional asset for people, to be a, a, you know, a good trusted community partner and uh, providing meaningful, meaningful points of, of education um, and connection to our communities. And that's really something that we strive. If somebody wants to come out uh, and they've never been there before, is there a gate that costs money? Can you just drive up? Can you be part of uh, this whole Nature Center, Fenner, Lansing, special interest opportunity, or 
What's what's the cost to come in? Absolutely. So right now, the, the there is no cost to come yeah. into Fenner Nature Center. So the uh, the park itself is open from dawn to dusk every single day. We have about four miles plus of trails that go. We have two ADA accessible paved trails, one that goes around the Nature Center in our central mm-hmm. pond and one that goes around our sugar bush uh, right in the, in back there. Phenomenal sugar bush area where we have our big maple syrup festival. Um, right. So right. it's a nice generation old maples that you'll find up in that area that are just absolutely gorgeous. And, uh, yeah, about four miles of trails total. Now, I've pulled in there in the past, and it's been uh, kind of a daytime event, you know, uh, not seeing much in the way of any kind of parking lot illumination or whatnot. Um, <laughs> you know, can you ever expand and and maybe have some night activity? We can and we are, actually, yes. So the Nature Center itself, uh, our current hours that we have are, are 12 to 6 throughout Tuesdays through Fridays and then 9 to 3 on the weekends. And again, the park itself is open from dawn to dusk, but right now we have, an, uh, we have some development going on at the Nature Center itself. We're having uh, new light poles put up in the parking lot just so we can see a little bit better nice. <laughs> at nighttime. Nice. And, safety. Uh, safety. Safety. Safety, yep. absolutely. Safety first. And one of my big things with uh, with the programming is if we can if we can do programming during the day, then we can do programming during the nighttime. And those right. are some of the things that we've been putting out. So, uh, so since this past fall, we've been putting out um, phenomenal daytime skill building programs uh, like the Bushcraft series, which which we started putting out, which were skill building programs teaching every uh, everything from primitive fire starting to shelter building and navigation skills, all the way through some of our um, nighttime experiential programs like our nocturnal nature programs, our owl night programs. Um, so we can really show people that that are out there that, you know, Nature doesn't stop when the sun goes down. Now, is there any um, – most of everything you said, I'm think, I'm imagining that it's kids maybe from 16 and under that are getting involved. Is there any avenue or outreach for people that are older than that? All ages. All, All ages. Pro- absolutely. So when you have like some programs, mm-hmm. if I go to a program, is there some, you know, 35-year-old, 62-year-old person <laughs> yes. in attendance? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, what we try to do is if you go to our website and you go right to our calendar page, you can look really day by day and month by month and see what kind of program offerings we have. And it'll tell you on there if it's an all ages program, if it's, we recommend ages 10 and up, anything along those lines. But I mean, we are doing programs, everything from if, if you want to get into birding, we're going to be doing an intro to birding program over on International Migratory Bird Day. Nice. If you're really into reptiles and amphibians, we're going to be doing an amphibian mapping program. And these nice. are for anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a, a, a five-year-old or if you're a 95-year-old. If, if you have the initiative, you have the wherewithal, and you have the interest, come on out. Well, you tell me when the morel mushrooms are being hunted up. And... Oh, I can't give you all those seasons. <laughs> no, no, no. That's right. The staff have to have perks. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great time to mention that we are a non-collection site, just to okay. let you know. Yeah, there well, you go. Well, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, Sam, but I do Fair have, enough, Seth. There we go. <laughs> but I do have a question for you because you mentioned that you weren't originally from this area, but you've moved back to this area. Yep. What is it that has driven you to this life of loving nature <laughs> and loving the Fenner Nature Center and doing what you do? Because a lot of people might not move to a city like Lansing just for something like that. But what was your motivation? True, absolutely. Well, I mean, we, uh, my, my wife and I both started out on the East Coast. And it was one of those things where uh, at a very young age, I was able to start growing up in the, the northeast corner of Vermont, way up in a 300 plus person town on top of a mountain. Um, and that was a fantastic, fantastic space to, uh, to learn about nature. Um, but I also had the opportunity to start out at, uh, at a zoo in Connecticut, working through their environmental education department. And that was in the, uh, the mid-2000s. And then 
throughout the next 17 years, we were able to go from from different place to different place, and I was able to stay well within that field, and it was spectacular. Well, and that Proust Pets touch, I'm sure, made a difference. So thank you, Rick, <laughs> for doing that. And Sam, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry to say we're out of time for this week. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having we'll me. we'll be back next weekend to talk more. In the meantime, on behalf of our producer, Bruce, and Rick Proust, my co-host in the studio, it's Lee Cohen wishing all of you great week and a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. The sirens are screaming and the fires are howling way down in the valley tonight.